Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 161, and today we are talking about books being released on June 5th, 2018, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow well-redhead Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello. It is a huge new release day today. Enormous. Biggest of the year so far. I think so. And you would know because you keep track of these things. I do. I have a spreadsheet. I will show it to people for lots of money. (laughs) One million dollars. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's a val- that is a valuable asset. You should charge a lot of money for it. Good job valuing your work, Lib. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I do add to it like constantly. Like Pete and I'll be watching TV, and I'll be like, I just thought of a book. I need to check and see when it's out. I got to put this in the spreadsheet. Like I do it all day long, every day, adding stuff to that spreadsheet because I want everyone to know about as many things as possible. Right, so people can't get the spreadsheet, but they can get some access to the new releases that you curate if they join Book Riot Insiders. <gasps> Good segue. Thank you. Not even a segue. I just, was just going to say, wait. <laughs> I'm just organically mentioning this thing today <laughs> through our new release index, which is curated by you to highlight the most interesting new books coming out each week. Um. But that's not even the Book Riot thing that I was supposed to talk about today. I'm supposed to mention that we are giving away $500 to the bookstore of your choice in a giveaway that is open until June 21st. All you have to do is go to bookriot.com slash bookstore 500, the number 500, to enter and cross your fingers. 500 bucks. I really hope Crazy. that whoever wins it will like go to their local indie and go on a huge spending spree and Instagram it for us. Yeah. We were talking about this last week, like GoPro, you know, Mm -hmm. put a little camera on and be like, woo. Yes. I should get one of those. I'm going to uh, Rhinebeck, New York to Oblong Books on Sunday to see the Marisha Pestle event. Oh, fun. And uh, I should get a little video camera. Yeah, we really should like GoPro (laughs) you going through the strand or something. Mm Mm-hmm. That would be so much fun. So much fun. So, yeah. So, we haven't done this together in a long it, time. It it's was like a, a group of us last time. So. Yeah, that's right. It, it's been a while since we had a show just us. And for the first time, well, no, maybe not the first time, but we did not go to, neither of us went to Book Expo this year. No, so, I was supposed to go, but then I had to cancel last minute, which made yeah. me very sad. And I'm kind of over it. So I was not <laughs> sad about being at home. Um, but we don't have like, here are all the galleys we picked up at BEA since we didn't go. It's been a while since we didn't uh, talk about some of those things on this show. But people yeah. just have to deal with it because there are a ton of new books out today. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so my first pick this week, I think, is the most American, the most American, the most important American novel of 2018. Ooh, I will hey. throw that down. I will okay. also throw it down that it is going to win awards. It is There There by Tommy Orange. It's... Amazing. It's so good I could just die. It's just, 
It's incredible. It's based around this event that's going to take place in Oakland, California, in the Coliseum there. It's called the Big Oakland Pow Wow, and Native Americans are coming from all over to take part in this celebration that happens every year. Um, and the story is narrated by several Native Americans. They're all from different backgrounds. Uh, some of the little stories take place in different time periods. They take, they have like different points of view. Sometimes they're in the first person, sometimes they're in the third person. Um, and they're, they're also very different. There's a filmmaker who's trying to document people's stories about what it means to them to be Native American. Um, there is a drug dealer who's talking about the violence in his life and in his family. And, and he's also involved in some shady dealings that are going on. There's a recovering alcoholic who is going back home. She talks about the daughter that she gave up and the, the daughter that she has who died. Um, you get to uh, meet her grandchildren who don't live with her. They live with her sister. Um, there is a young boy who who is one of her grandchildren being raised by his great aunt um, who doesn't talk to them about what it means to be a Native American or anything about their history, but he's actually like learning about it behind her back. Like he's like Googling it and going through her stuff when she's not there. And he's learning how to dance. He wants to dance in the powwow. Um, there's a young man who was born with fetal alcohol syndrome and he's very um, angry about what happened to him and about what his mother uh, did. Uh, and he's he's part of this um, big spectrum of characters that are are taking place or um, talking. I'm I just I you know when you love a book so much you just can't talk about it. That's, yep, that's the problem I'm having. <laughs> I'm just like I want to do this justice, and instead I'm like blah blah blah. blah. Um, but so many there are so there are a lot of characters, and their lives intersect like in all kinds of different ways. Like you know, like someone's a cousin of this person, or somebody works with this person, or you know, when their stories go around. Um, and it's about, like, what it means to grow up not knowing your history or knowing about it wrong, what you're taught in school, you know, or what it means if you don't want to know your history or if you do want to know your history. Um, what it's like to, you know, grow up with people telling you, you know, that it's not your country and to get over it, you lost, and, you know, to be kept down by your heritage. Uh, the title is based on a Gertrude Stein quote who was from Oakland, California. I had no oh, idea. I didn't and either. She said, um, the Oakland that she knew, I'm, I'm paraphrasing now, but it was something like the Oakland she knows isn't there there anymore, um, or isn't mm. there there, and that's where it comes from. Also, a Radiohead by, song by the same title, um, in which he quotes, like, the, the chorus, which is like, just because you feel it doesn't mean it's there. Um, and there's a prologue and an interlude, and Tommy Orange details all these different parts of history, Native American history, um, because, you know, most of us have just learned the, you know... Well, you know, we came in and, you know, the the, um, the English came in and they were like, eh, or, you know, other cultures came in and said, you know, you guys have to go now or, you know, go over here or whatever. And um, it, it's really not touched on in history books still. Like, we know at this point that what happened to the Native Americans was not okay, you know, but it's they still don't discuss it very much. And he talks a, a little bit. It's not, like, preachy at all. Like, he just mentions different things that happened in Native American history um, violence and, you know, treaties. I learned a ton of things that I had no idea about. I did not know that, um, in 1969 that, uh, Alcatraz was opened to the Native Americans because of a broken treaty with the U.S. government, like, in 1851, and they hmm. lived out there, several people lived out there for, like, a year and a half. I had, I had never heard that. Um, I did not know that the man in the famous litter commercial, the Native American man who's crying, 
because he's looking mm-hmm. at the, mm-hmm. you know, that famous commercial. An Italian-American. Like, <laughs> like and he was in, like, 200 TV shows and movies portraying a Native American, but he was Italian. Um, I had no idea. Like, just, like, all this incredible knowledge that I didn't know. Um, it's so, so powerful. I'm just going to keep babbling about it. It's so, so powerful. I can't believe this is his first book. Um, I think that everyone should read it. Like, it's at the top of my list to push on everyone this year. Um, it's just so fantastic. So I'm going to stop there. There. <laughs> it's called There, There, and it's by Tommy Oren. Whew. Uh, I am also starting this week with what I think is one of the best books of the year, Florida, a new collection of short stories by Lauren Groff. Um, this thing happens to writers who live in Florida or who move to Florida where they feel so inspired by the like the weirdness and the dangerousness of the landscape and the creatures that live in Florida and the climate and the bugs that they write stories about it in ways like that there aren't, you know, we're not getting like a short story collection called Michigan this year um, or probably ever. Um, Florida just does something to writers. Lauren Grafa is not from there, but has lived there now for quite a while. And she sets all of the stories in this collection in Florida, ranging from the suburbs of, you know, nice towns out into like basically the swamp or deserted islands in the middle of nowhere um, on rivers and on lakes. And like that place of Florida is not just a character in the story, but is so central to the tone of all of these stories and to the things that she's able to explore because Florida is unlike basically anywhere else um, in the U.S. The climate is really strange. Um, The bugs and the creatures there are different than you encounter other places. They are dangerous. And she uses all of this to set up these stories about especially women's and girls' lives that through the lens of this climate and what this place does to people, she's looking at the darkness in that women feel at anger and rage that women experience at this like barely contained boiling over of like desire and emotion and unmet need and like all of the things that we want it's so good uh the sentences are so sharp she has this amazing talent to like sink you into what's happening in a story and then just hit you over the head with a sentence that is breathtakingly either breathtakingly gorgeous or breathtakingly like oh she sees me um it's one of those she's one of those writers that reveals like in the way that she reveals what she understands about the human condition she's it feels that she's like revealing some things about herself of like oh she gets it this is a writer who gets it um women aren't allowed to be dark and angry and barely contained, like boiling over pots of want and desire and unmet need very often. And her stories create so much space for that and explore it and give it real heft and weight and take it seriously um, about what it is to live in this world in a female body. Um, in that way, it reminded me some of work by Claire Messud that I've loved and of some stories by Bonnie Jo Campbell, but Lauren Groff's voice is completely original and her own. And I feel like you could read a Lauren Groff story and know that this is a Lauren Groff story and not someone else. Um, it's just a really remarkable collection. Uh, th- these stories couldn't really be set anywhere else told the way that they are told. Florida is central to them. And I think it's also hard to pull off a collection like this that's guided by place in such a way and really make it work. And man, she has just 
nailed it. Um, I read and reread a couple of the pieces. I'm going to be thinking about this one for a long time. Whether this would be your first Lauren Groff or you have been counting down looking forward to each one of her books since the very first one, this one is not to be missed. It is Florida, a new collection of short stories by Lauren Groff. Yeah. Oh, boy. It's been a while since I had a short story collection on the show, I feel like, and that this was a really good one to come back to. Yes. Would you like to hear about our first sponsor? Yes, I would, please, Ms. Shinsky. <laughs> Thank you for saying yes. <laughs> Support for today's show comes from Third Love. Armed with measurements of millions of women, Third Love bras are designed to fit real women. Uh, we have both received some complimentary bras from Third Love over the years, and we found this to be true, that you not only get to avoid the awkward fitting room experience, but you get to use the Third Love Fit Finder quiz, which helps you identify your breast shape and find the styles that will fit your body. And it takes less than a minute. You just answer a couple simple questions. Then Third Love shows you styles that are available in 60 sizes, ranging from AA through G and including their signature half cup sizing, which is really difficult to find. Um, Third Love guarantees a perfect fit. And they value comfort and quality and straps that don't slip, which especially in this season of tank tops is a thing that I value. The bras are made with ultra soft and really smoothing fabric. The cups are made with lightweight memory foam that mold to fit your body. You don't have to shove your body into fit some like very structured, painful piece of lingerie or under garment. And even the labels are tagless. They're not itchy. Everything about your third love experience is comfortable from start to finish and returns and exchanges are always free and easy. It's because third love knows that a perfect, there is a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering our listeners 15% off your first order. Just go to thirdlove.com slash books to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash books for 15% off today. Nice. Thank you. I need to try out the Fit Finder, but I'm not ready yet. No? No. I've been exercising and dieting, and I'm like, I just want to wait a little bit longer and see how much Uh, more I can shave off before I do it. And then I'm going to try out the Fit Finder. They say that, well, the woman who owns the bra shop that I like in Richmond says that your bras should never see their first birthday, but like you should get remeasured at least once a year because women's bodies do change so much. And when you're, especially like when you're in a transition period, like you are where you're exercising or maybe you're going through, like women go through a pregnancy or a childbirth or just something's going on in life where your weight or your body shape is changing. Um, It's such a, like we have to, we wear bras every day. It's literally called a foundation garment. Um, it's, (laughs) It's a key to our wardrobes. Um, it's worth, you know, having one that fits you well. Yes. So, completely related to nothing. <laughs> Here's my next book. Um, also, my my blurb about this is going to be about two seconds long because I heard too much about this book and I feel like it ruined some of it for me. Took oh, some of the that's magic, the worst. Took some of the magic off it because mostly the fault lies with the pitch like the comparisons. So I'm just going to tell you a couple of things about this and then that's it. That's all you get. Okay. Uh, my next pick is Social Creature by Tara Isabel Burton. It is, I think, June's thriller of the month. Uh, it's about a woman named Louise. She meets Lavinia, 
Lavinia is a socialite. She's gorgeous and her family is really, really rich. And she takes a shine to Louise. Louise is no one, but Lavinia sees something in her. And soon they are BFFs and they're traveling and they're shopping and they're partying, but it spirals into sort of a toxic friendship. Um, it is deviously plotted. It's a story of lies and envy and friendship in the social media age. And like I said, don't read anything about it because it's like, it, it's this author and it's like this story and this book. And I was like, mm -hmm. well, that already told me what I needed to know about the plot. So uh, like, I mean, you can do that if you don't care, but I would save yourself the magic and just, just dive right into it because it is delicious and demented and glorious. So again, it's called Social Creature and it's by Tara Isabella Burton. All right. That does sound good, and I'm glad to not know too much about it. Excellent. Okay, my next one this week, I talked about this ooh, back in the winter when I first read it because I couldn't wait once it showed up in the mail. It's We Are Gathered by Jamie Weissman. Um, this is a sort of rotating heads, like ensemble cast of characters novel um, set during a wedding weekend in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, two people are getting married. There's about 150 guests. And it opens with um, the bride's childhood best friend. Um, the first chapter is told from her perspective, reflecting on their friendship and on you know ways that life has gone wrong. And when I started reading it, I was like, oh, cool, we're going to get like the best friend and then we're going to get the bride and maybe it's going to move back and forth between these central characters. Um, the book was comped to seating arrangements by Maggie Shipstead, which I loved and is also set over the course of a wedding weekend. But I am here to tell you, these are both wonderful books and they are not similar. Uh, so if you're looking for something like seating arrangements, this is not the book for you, but <laughs> keep listening because you may still like it for other reasons. Um, every chapter of this book is told by or about a different one of the wedding guests. Most of them don't have anything to do with anyone else at the wedding. There are a few like light threads that connect a couple of the characters, but this book goes to very dark places. Um, one of the guests is a Holocaust survivor who is remembering, like as she sits outside at the wedding and is looking at the sort of the forest around them, she's remembering very difficult things that happened to her in a forest when in Germany when she was a child. Um, there are older people attending the wedding who are wrestling either with the ways that their own bodies are turning against them or the ways that their partners are struggling. So there's, you know, there's like a wedding happening at the front of the room but everybody is in their own heads about their own lives. And that feels so true and real. Um, I really loved the way that the book was constructed. And I was surprised by some of the dark places that it goes to. Um, the, I will give a trigger warning. There is some sexual assault um, in one of the later chapters. And I was surprised to encounter that because the book was pitched and like was pitched as kind of light and has this like light summer wedding cover. Um, so there's real substance here and real depth and darkness. And it's not all depth and darkness, but like this is not a light, fun summer wedding book. I really loved it. I thought the way it was constructed is very thoughtful. Um, the threads that Wiseman 
Desmond does weave between the characters who are connected um, are like delicate, but they're there so you can pick up on them and appreciate what she's doing with these different people's lives. But it also just felt really true that like this is the thing we do in life is we go to things like weddings or we go to dinner with people or whatever. And there's the event that's taking place that everyone is gathered for. But you're all still a bunch of individuals in your own head, in your own experiences, like thinking about that fight you had with your boyfriend last week or what you're going to cook for dinner tonight. And um, Wiseman just really captures that beautifully and doesn't judge her characters um, for it. There's not many likable folks in this book. And I also always really appreciate that, um, that when you're talking especially about family dynamics, sometimes um, fiction gets really interesting when people disagree with each other. So I really loved it. Um, But it was very different from what I was expecting when I picked it up. So I'm trying to be really clear about what you're going to get with this book. Um, It's We Are Gathered by Jamie Wiseman. Now I'm singing Somebody's Getting Married from the Muppets Take Manhattan. Every time someone talks about (laughs) weddings, I end up with that song stuck in my head. (laughs) I guess it could be worse. Yeah. No, yeah, no, it's, you know. There's worse wedding songs to get stuck in. Yeah. Um, I have no segue, except that this is also one of my favorite books of the year. So tremendous. Uh, Very small book, amazingly powerful punch. It's called Small Country, and it's by Gail Fay. He is a musician in France, but he is also an amazingly talented author, it turns out. This is his debut. It won France's largest literary award. Um, it's just so incredible. Uh, and it's, I'm going, I haven't read anything that says it is, but I'm going to guess it's loosely based on his life, at least a little, because he uh, immigrated to France from Burundi when he was a young man. And this is about a boy named Gabby. He's 10 years old. Um, he lives in Burundi. Uh, with his French dad and his Rwandan mother, um, and he's experiencing the end of his innocence. He doesn't know this yet, um, but the life that he knows and everybody there knows is going to change. You know, he's experiencing, like, these amazing memories with his mother and his father. They're making amazing memories. Um, you know, it's this, like, really sweet coming-of-age novel, uh, but war is coming to his country and to his mother's people. Um, and, and Fay has done this amazing job of balancing the violence and the political upheaval that takes place, um, you know, based on actual history. Uh, he, ba- he balances that with Gabby's innocence, and, you know, it even has a lot of humor. Like, he has this really sweet relationship with his family. Um, this book is going to break your heart. Like, there's, there's no getting around it. Um, you just have to trust me that it's worth the read, and it'll be good for you to read. Um, almost everyone I know who has read this has loved it, and also, no, everyone I know who has read it has loved it, but almost all of them have also read it just in one sitting. It's like 192 mm. pages. Um, and also, I'll just say it has over 2,600 reviews on Goodreads already, and it's got a 4.32 average, so you don't even have to take my word for it. It's just so tremendous and beautiful. Um, and I hope he writes something else because I'm so in love with it. Uh, So again, it's called Small Country, and it's by Gail Fay. You're up with our next sponsor. I am! Oh, that's me. I didn't open the thing. What is wrong with me today? I told you at the beginning before we started recording that I was super prepared today, so everything was going to go wrong. (laughs) Pride goeth before... <laughs> the flail. Something, yeah. <laughs> I'm tripping over my words. I forgot my my thing. Uh, our other sponsor today is Tonight I'm Someone Else by Chelsea Hodson. It's an amazing book of essays by Holt Paperbacks. 
Um, I absolutely love Chelsea Hodson. Uh, she had a small, like, not chapbook, but um, just a small little storybook that came out a couple of years ago called Pity the Animal, which I absolutely loved. Anyway, let me tell you about Tonight I'm Someone Else. Uh, it says, from graffiti gangs and Grand Theft Auto to Sugar Daddy, Schopenhauer, and a deadly game of Russian roulette, Chelsea Hodson probes her desires in these essays to examine where the physical and proprietary collide. She asks what our privacy, intimacy, and bodies are worth in the increasingly digital world of liking, linking, and sharing. This tender and jarring collection is relevant to anyone who's ever searched for what the self is worth. And she's awesome. So that's, you know, that's all I can say, really. It's all you need to know. She's amazing. Um, and it's out today, so go get it. And again, it's Tonight I'm Someone Else by Chelsea Hodson. Nice. All right, my next one this week is Visible Empire by Hannah Pittard. I have loved her fiction since her debut, The Fates Will Find Their Way, that came out kind of like really early in my blogging career. It's been quite a few years now. Um, that was told with a collective, like a plural narrative voice that was uh, that is really uncommon and it's very difficult to do well. And she did she did it very well. It was very memorable. Um, then Reunion and Listen to Me were both novels that were told over very short periods of time. Reunion was about a family coming together after their father's death. Um, and Listen to Me is set over the course of like a 24-hour drive that a young couple are taking together together when everything is going wrong on the drive and everything is going wrong in their marriage. And I read those each in one sitting. Um, this book, uh, Visible Empire, is a, a departure for her into a new kind of subject matter and a new way of structuring stories. And it's really remarkable. I think it's based on an event that happened in 1962 when a chartered flight coming home from France was carrying like a hundred of the hoi polloi, not the hoi polloi, that's the commoners, a hundred of like the cream of Atlanta's society. Um, the Atlanta Art Association had sponsored a month-long tour of artistic treasures of Europe, and they had sent like a hundred people from Atlanta's high society over for this tour. Almost all of them were on this one chartered plane coming back from France, and the plane crashed and basically everybody died. Um, so in this one go, Atlanta loses a hundred of its like most important cultural and civic leaders. People, you know, people lost their entire, the people at home lost like entire group, groups of friends or like children lost both parents that were gone. Like this was just a, I've, I had never heard of this event, um, but it was a huge thing that happened and a devastating loss for the city of Atlanta at the time, but really devastating for some of the individuals that were at home. And it's the setup for the novel. Um, this moves between the chapters do move between like maybe a dozen different characters. Um, there is a man whose uh, mistress died on the flight and he finds out and then goes and breaks up with his pregnant wife in his devastation. Uh, there's a woman who basically, who, who, the woman is the mayor's wife and they have lost all of their friends. He has to continue being the mayor and handle the crisis, but she is devastated. Um, there's a young woman who pretends to have lost her parents on the flight in order to gain access to this rich older woman's home and sort of like weasel her way into high society. 
Um, and there are some folks who are taking advantage of people um, who have lost things. There's also a young black man who is navigating a very strange situation that he finds himself in with two of the people who were affected by the crash. And from there, Hannah Pittard goes into exploring what Atlanta was like in 1962 in terms of race relations. There's just some really surprising range that happens in the character's experiences and in what, what she explores um, as the characters deal in the first couple of months after this disaster. Um, I very rarely Google the real event that a book is based on. I like to just absorb it, but this was so unusual. And it's also so hard to imagine this happening now, like how small um, high society was several decades back and how it was possible to like identify a hundred most important people who all knew each other and send them somewhere on a cultural exchange like this and what it would do to a city to have lost those hundred people. But that Pittard then zooms into what the individual experiences of the loss are like. And there's scandal. There's like a rich guy who's trying to get the Gauguin paintings back from his aunt and you know, like being very petty about some of the aspects of the things that his family has lost. It's very human. Like this is the way that humans would respond um, in a moment like this. And she just covers a, a huge range. You can tell it's very well researched, but also is very deeply considered um, from the emotional aspects. And I thought it was really wonderful. So that's Visible Empire by Hannah Pittard. Excellent. Mm-hmm. My last pick is The Book of M by Peng Shepard. Uh, it's set in a sort of dystopian future because I have to have at least one weird book on the show. Um, I am so into books where weird things happen in the future because we don't understand what they are or there's mm. like no reason for them because it's so refreshing to like imagine that it's not caused by something that we've done. Um, <laughs> so this one takes place in the future. It's about uh, a strange thing that started occurring uh, one day. A man in, I believe it's in India, I read this so long ago, uh, in India loses his shadow. Like his shadow just disappears in the middle of the day. And then more people start losing their shadows. And what happens as people lose their shadows is eventually they all lose their memories. They They don't know what's going on. And it drives the world into chaos because suddenly you don't know who you are, where you are, what's happening, you know, and people react violently. Um, you know, people can't function, people can't do their jobs. And so now it's like set uh, after this, like, has taken over most of the world and nobody knows, like, how it's transmitted or why. And it's centered around this couple named Ori and Max. Um, they are dug in deep uh, in the United States. They live in a town where, like, most of the houses are empty and they've all been, you know, searched thoroughly for goods and food and all the stuff. And and, uh, Ori and Max are living alone. Like, they're going to be fine, you know, they think, um, hidden out from the the bandits and all the the violence and the chaos. Um, But but they're running out of supplies, so Ori needs to leave. And um, Max has lost her shadow. So he's, he's worried about her. She's just lost her shadow. Um, but he has to leave or else they're going to starve. So um, he goes out into the world to look for food. When he gets back, Max is gone. Um, so now he's got to go find her. He, there has been talk of a cure in the South that there are some people who know how to stop people from losing their shadows or to you know reverse the situation. 
Um, he thinks that's where Max is going, so he goes after her. And now he has a front seat to the new fractured world. The dangers and the despair and this new dangerous new cult that is formed around the people who have lost shadows and the people's last hopes. It's a story of love, basically. Because, you know, why else would you, you know, follow somebody through this dangerous world if it's not love? So it's very sweet, but also very interesting, and I just, I loved it to pieces. Um, if you like The Road, or Station Eleven, or Dog Stars, or American War, um, I highly recommend it. It's fantastic. So again, it's called The Book of M, just the letter M, and it's by Peng Shepard. All right. My last pick this week is Half Gods by Akil Kumarasamy. This is a debut collection of short stories. They are linked stories that um, follow the life and the the life and the like destiny, I guess, or the lives of these two brothers who are named after demigods from the Mahabharata, which is an ancient epic. Um, they cover like families that are struggling with making sense of the past in their lives in the present. It's 10 stories that contain just all kinds of things. I also don't want to like say too much because it, it ranges from uh, the East to New Jersey. Uh, there are things happening like a little girl who is originally named after a Hindu goddess, but is raised as a Muslim. Uh, there's a man from Angola who ends up in New Jersey. There's a, an entomologist from Sri Lanka. Um, it, there's just all kinds of stuff that happens here. And I'm not finished with it yet. So I also don't want to like look up anything and spoil myself. Um, it's really sharply crafted, um, very heartbreaking at points, but also really, really creative. It's, I feel like I should be reaching for, like, this book reminds me of X, but it doesn't really remind me of anything else, which I think is one of the best things that we can say about a book. Um, a wonderful new voice. I don't think I've been quite this excited about a new voice in fiction since The Fisherman by Chigozi Obioma a couple of years ago. Um, so I will really be looking forward to whatever Akil Kumarasamy does next. And this is, again, Half Gods. Excellent. So before we do our next things, you have some some other exciting books to talk about, just very briefly, because this is such a huge week for new books. Is that right? Yes. I just want to mention a couple of titles that I think okay. people should know about. Um, starting with The President is Missing, sadly not nonfiction. Um, it's a novel by Bill Clinton and James Patterson. Like it, because of course. <laughs> because, yeah. Um, but it's like, it's one of the biggest books of the year. Uh, there's also The Black Klansman, which is by Ron Stallsworth, uh, which the Spike Lee movie is based on. They're putting out a new edition of that. Um, Never World Wake by Marisha Pessel, who wrote Night Film and uh, specialty topics in Special Topics in Calamity Physics. I always want to call it the specialty. Um, which is a young adult novel, Never World Wake. It's fantastic. Uh, Sick, a memoir by Poratista Kakpur is out about her uh, life living in, with late-stage Lyme disease. Um, I mentioned, we mentioned Chelsea's book, Tonight I'm Someone Else, Chelsea Hodson, the book of essays, which I love. Uh, there's a great book of short stories called Sweet and Low by Nick White. A great new novel called Invitation to a Bonfire by Adrienne Selt, which she wrote The Daughters, which I loved a few years ago. This is fantastic. A uh, great nonfiction book called Tinderbox, The Untold Story of the Upstairs Lounge Fire and the Rise of Gay Liberation by Robert Fiesler. Fantastic historical no uh, 
book, history book. I can't talk today at all. I want to add L and Itty to the end of everything, apparently. <laughs> um, Treeborn by Caleb Johnson. If you like Corbick McCarthy, like I like Corbick McCarthy, then you will like Treeborn. Yes, it is dark. And also The Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang, which I haven't read yet, but I, I'm excited to buy. I hear it is adorable and wonderful. So yeah, those are some other ones that you should consider. All right. Yeah, I have a couple more from today that I have read, but that I'm going to talk about on future shows. I have them in the bank. <gasps> All right. I know. Okay, so those are new books, tons of new books out this week. What are you going to read next? Not even going to pretend that this isn't a brag. I am reading <laughs> The Witch Elm, the new Tana French. Oh, Ooh, yeah. That's what? a brag. Yeah. I didn't, like, I didn't realize until I got it that it's not in the um, Dublin Murder Squad series. It is oh. a whole new thing on its own, and it's 500 pages, and <laughs> so Yep, good. you just gotta own that brag. Nothing humble yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. But, it, I mean, it's only, like, it comes out, like, in just a couple more months, I think. It's, like, I feel like there wasn't, like, a big period between when they announced it and when it's coming out. Like, mm. they just kind of dropped it, and everyone was like, <gasps> So, what are you gonna read? I am going to read Yes, We Still Can by Dan Pfeiffer. Um, he was an Obama staffer, one of the like high up advisors. I can't remember his exact title. Now he's one of the hosts of Pod Save America. And this is, I've been reading, you know, every Obama staffer memoir that has come out. This is more political theory, less memoir, less fun memoir stuff. Um, but I'm ready for some thinkiness about politics and progress and um, continuing to make progress in the current political situation. So I'm looking forward to picking that up. Excellent. You love all a right. staffer book. I do. I'm here for apparently all of the Obama White House <laughs> memoirs. <laughs> Michelle Obama's memoir has a cover now. That's very exciting. Um, I'll be picking that up when it comes out in a few months. We're just, I mean, we all know where I'm coming from here. So there's yeah. no point in pretending. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So that is our show for today. If you want to enter to win $500 to the bookstore of your choice, and of course you do, don't forget to go to bookriot.com slash bookstore 500. That's the number 500. Thank you to our sponsors, Third Love. Go to thirdlove.com slash books to get 15% off your first order today. And to Tonight I'm Someone Else by Chelsea Hodson, which Liberty loves and you should love too. If you have something to say to us, you can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com or hit us up on Twitter. I'm Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. Liberty is Miss Liberty. And if you've got a minute to rate or review the show on Apple Podcasts, it really, really does help other people find the show and it makes us feel good too. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, I, I can't do any more words. Um, so, <laughs> you, But you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And in the meantime... In the meantime... Happy, Happy reading. reading.